Chapter Seven of With Sack and Stock in Alaska by George Broke. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Phil Schempf. Chapter Seven: Life at Yakutat. Thursday and Friday, August the ninth and tenth, we wandered about the two villages hunting curios, but without much result. Though I got a rather neat model of the skin bedarky we got some excellent clams from the indians and had a good lot of strawberries which w and i hauled we tried to arrange with ned to take us up in his canoe to disenchantment bay but there was a potlatch in prospect and he declined to make any agreement saturday the eleventh very fine and hot our indians came over by order and matthew and mike were set to cut wood while the others took the boat to fetch water an operation which involved some little time as the nearest good water was about a mile away having nothing better to do h undertook to make a pudding of cornmeal and raisins for supper while we were all sitting round watching the fire as was its wont began to collapse and the kettle of water for the coffee took a header into the ashes thank goodness said h it's not the pudding even as he spoke another log gave way and the pudding joined the coffee water however it was soon remade but proved better cold than hot just after supper great excitement was called by an aged crone who was leaning on the palings pointing out to sea and saying schooner but on bringing the telescope to bear it proved only to be a big iceberg drifting down from disenchantment bay in the evening sub-chief george came round to pay us a visit and said that he and nine other indians had once seen the back of mount st elias while after goats and that it was a gentle snow slope they landed at cape yaktagi which he described as being a better beach than icy bay there used once to be a village there the westernmost point to which the trinkets ever reached but now only three tumble-down houses are left they went up the right bank on the river kotsach for a day and then for two days along moraine at the back of mount snowshoe and the range north of it which was green and nearly clear of snow on that side they then turned east for half a day over ice and saw the mountain as described in the afternoon murphy's little eleven-ton schooner the active came down from disenchantment bay where he calson and dalton had been prospecting and had found coal in a spot where it seemed so likely to pay that some of them went back later from sitka to winter there so as to begin working it directly spring began sunday the twelfth very fine with light west wind as we were short of meat lyons and i took the canoe along the shore towards ankau creek where we found several flocks of small plover and i shot about thirty i had only number four shot with number eight or ten the bag would have probably been doubled in the afternoon murphy came over w wanted to go down with him but they were already very full he managed it at last by exchanging places with finn who was to stay and go down with us monday the thirteenth the active sailed at six and w went over about four o'clock he must have left the shed door open and some dogs have made their entrance for h's sealskin gloves were found outside and my model badarky had vanished altogether ned subsequently discovered it unhurt in the bushes outside these siwash dogs were a horrid nuisance and we several times rose in the night to pursue them but without result as they always escaped by the holes in the palings before we could stop them up 
once they got into the store tent by digging under the side and went off with a bit of bacon and the only piece of cheese in yakutat tuesday the fourteenth this afternoon the potlatch began in the second house these potlatches generally follow a funeral or some great misfortune thus an indian at dry bay who possessed three large trading canoes had one of them wrecked and some men drowned on which he promptly held the potlatch and gave away the other two canoes and all the rest of his property with the view of appeasing the anger of the great spirit the potlatch is sometimes but very rarely held for the purpose of gaining influence in the tribe in order that the donor may some day succeed to the position of chief this one we attended was consequent on the exhumation and reburial of the ashes of members of the two families just before proceedings commenced matthew summoned us and ushered us in in great pew-opener style we were rather surprised at finding blankets spread for us in the place of honor facing the door as we had been told they might perhaps object to our presence so we were pleased and said they really did know how to do things in yakutat about two hundred spectators crowded in and there was consequently a fairish frost a blanket was then held up over the small oval hole which served as a doorway and the play began the ravens seventeen men four women and three boys wondrously painted and arrayed came and thundered on the wall outside after which the old doctor who wore a curious wooden mask representing a raven's head crept under the blanket and singing and yelling postured slowly down the three or four steps from the door followed gradually by the rest howling at the top of their voices when they were all in they danced but only for a short time some of the headdresses made of ermine skins and abalone shells were very quaint they then retired and after a pause during which we all went out for some fresh air the eagles entered the same way this time we saw the old chief and doctor both skip into the house at first warning with somewhat undignified haste and when we followed we found them ensconced in the place of honor and realized that we had been intruders before though they had been too polite to turn us out we huddled into a corner and watched the performance which was much the same gums and jimmy were in great form skipping about as if they were birds and waving their arms wrapped in cloaks our george was also most resplendent having on his head de groff's big tin funnel decorated with skins and red feathers one blanket was then torn up and distributed and then came a long wait so h finn and shorty went back with the missionaries e lyons and i stayed but this time took up a position near the door so as to occasionally get a little fresh air the women drawn up in two rows on the days on either side swayed and bobbed chanting at the pitch of their lungs they all wore the same dark blue and scarlet cloak and had red feathers and worsted in their hair making a decidedly striking picture most of them wore shark's teeth earrings to which they attached an enormous importance the lowest price we heard of being twelve dollars for a pair after this a lot of blankets and calico were cut up and given away and we left them hard at it about five o'clock as the tide had risen in the meantime lyons had to wade in a good way after the canoe which had been secured to the stump of a tree wednesday the fifteenth after breakfast i went off with finn and lyons in the canoe to ankau creek 
but the tide was running out so strongly that we did not attempt to go up it but landed and lyons and i went up along the shore while finn searched for strawberries of which there were still a few to be found we followed up the creek for nearly a mile but saw nothing in the way of game and as the rocks were decidedly unpleasant to our moccasined feet we returned to the canoe and crossed to yakutat where most of the indians were still in bed having kept up the potlatch till five in the morning and distributed some three thousand yards of calico according to de Goff. we lunched there and sailed home about four o'clock the chief's garden was being stripped of its produce turnip beet and a few onions with a view to the approaching feast thursday the sixteenth gray and cloudy with a southeast wind which ought to bring the alpha now de Groff came over to lunch and took a photograph of us in camp and also of the swedish mission the indians were potlatching again today one woman gave away twenty-one blankets and a lot of calico occasionally great swells like the chief or the doctor got a whole blanket these doctors or medicine men used to have tremendous power in the tribe but this has much diminished before the advance of civilization their initiation into their full m d degree used to consist in a prolonged solitary fast in the forests till overtaken by a sort of frenzy they rushed back to the village where such people as desired to show a fine religious fervor would offer their arms for the doctor to take bites out of other indians when dead are cremated but the doctors are buried in a little wooden hut in some isolated spot or on a point of rock overlooking the sea and of late years these huts have been ruthlessly ravaged for curios since the doctor's charms and other implements are always buried with him but if the sacrilegious prowler was caught it would be very awkward for him in a wild place like yakutat the common american term for these medicine men is shaman apparently a corruption of the russian shawan but the clinkets themselves use the word ich the doctor at yakutat was a filthy old scoundrel with hair about six feet long he had been half blind for years having at one time headed an attack against a french storekeeper named i believe Belliot, but the men always spoke of him as Bellou, who had checked the onslaught with a well-aimed dose of sulphuric acid during the potlatch sundry relics of the deceased made their appearance and were wept over with much emotion genuine tears being produced in abundance some of the old men who had nothing else gave tobacco a small pinch being put in the fire each time for the spirits of the departed friday the seventeenth dull and gray and threatening rain yesterday and today the flies were something fearful and we had even to walk up and down when feeding while any liquid such as soup or tea was thick with them as the baking powder was all but finished finn who was supposed to be rather good at the art was deputed to make sourdough bread but it was not much of a success resembling plain heavy buns the leaven was presumably too new for afterwards it worked admirably the indians began their feast about four o'clock each man had his own bowl while by the fire were large dishes full of rice berries cooked in seal oil and what looked like some preparation of fish after a brief invocation a little of each was put in the fire and then the bowls were filled and they began i was over on the island by myself and h came across in the smallest canoe to fetch me halfway over we met e in another who unaware that his brother had started was coming over with the same intention 
and instead of being pleased at not having to go any further seemed to consider himself aggrieved we often saw siwash dogs swimming across the distance being quite a mile in the morning we purchased through mike two salmon for ten cents which sounds cheap but after all the money was wasted as a few minutes later billy and matthew turned up in a canoe with two dozen they had speared so we took six of the best saturday the eighteenth raining all day with some very heavy showers so we stayed in the mission most of the time the house consisted of one furnished room which hendrickson and lytle inhabited one unfurnished one which they politely put at our disposal and another large one at that time unfloored which was to be the schoolroom we said we would sleep in the house as the weather was so bad but at supper time it cleared a bit and h elected to stay in the green tent e and i went in and rolled up in our blankets on the floor which was distinctly hard in the other room hendrickson was reading to lytle the story of elisha and the shunamite woman rendered apparently into easy english for children his accent was most peculiar and e after listening a bit remarked a great many sibilants in that language aren't there being under the impression that hendrickson was sticking to his native swedish i roared so that i feared they would come and ask what the matter was but luckily they didn't sunday the nineteenth rain nearly all night and most of the day e and i got up about six o'clock roused by the men coming back with clams for which the tide suited last evening my watch began to go in a feeble manner and made three hours during the night in the afternoon e and i played a curious form of cricket on the beach with a wooden net float for a ball an axe handle for a bat and two ice axes for wickets having smashed two balls we had to desist though not before e had defeated me with great slaughter monday the twentieth wind still southeast but no alpha we were getting thoroughly sick of our enforced imprisonment in this place where there was literally nothing to do the village being hopelessly surrounded by bush and so far from the mountains that no hunting or exploring was possible for fear that the alpha should arrive while we were away tremendous rain all afternoon which cleared as usual about six o'clock the wind however seemed rather more southwest tuesday the twenty first lovely morning at last but hardly any wind my watch still kept going but only very slowly between the hours of seven and eleven something evidently clogging the works ned's canoe the one we had at icy bay was going back to juneau next day which offered a means of escape but he was taking a cargo of seal oil shorty however wanted to go but we preferred to keep him de graff came to supper and we had some whist afterwards keeping it up till the extraordinary late hour of half-past ten when he took his departure by the light of a lovely full moon wednesday the twenty-second perfect weather again shorty had sold the rifle he bought from w to sub-chief george and finn ease to frank a friend of ned's this breach of the law rather annoyed us as we naturally thought the men had purchased the rifles to keep but we saw no good in interfering now that the deed was done our four indians came over about breakfast time to take e salmon spearing and reported that ned had not taken his departure last night so i said i would go with him and take finn to look after me h then proposed that i should take our indians who were eating their heads off to no purpose and shorty suggested that we might buy a canoe and all go down together so we went over to yakutat to make inquiries 
de Groff admitted that all agreement with him was over on the twentieth and seemed to have but little hope of the alphas turning up now but believed that the leo or even the pinta would come for us canoes were to be bought for a hundred and twenty or a hundred and fifty dollars but h was rather unwilling to go in one so we came back at two o'clock for e's opinion but he had not returned we began boiling bacon and started finn on a big batch of bread he came back at four with a fair lot of fish unable to quite settle though against the canoe idea on the whole he and h went over to yakutat to decide and to fetch shorty while finn and i went on cooking they returned at seven thirty having concluded not to go and the siwashes refused to come in the canoe unless h did saying that they had not made an agreement with me but with him as they were all accustomed to canoes and matthew had done the trip twice before i do not think they were afraid except perhaps of hard work but merely that they found themselves in very comfortable quarters at yakutat drawing full pay and doing very little for it and wished to prolong that happy state of things as long as possible ned was willing to take any number of passengers to juneau for ten dollars each but after much discussion it was at last settled that i should take lyons shorty and finn and try to get ned to go to sitka so i went over about ten o'clock with the two former and routed out ned who agreed to take us to sitka for eighty dollars half down as most of the people in the chief's house were asleep we curled up sub jove frigido on the stoop and were soon asleep End of chapter seven